It's the Face of Chicago Business Podcast, introducing you to the stories behind the faces, focused on fixing today's problems with thoughtful leadership and purposeful living. Sit down with us as we get to know the individuals who make our city second to none. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Chicago Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by attorney Odell Mitchell III. Odell? Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. And, you know, just right off the bat, just one thing I want people to know is this aura, this energy that you bring about. It's just an incredible, you know, just interaction always with you. So thank you. Thank you very much. I would say that I feel the same. And so I feel like it's uh, mutually uh, accelerating in that way. Like well, to be in this space is really wonderful. So thank you so much. No, thank you. And so getting into it, you're through and through a Chicago guy, but originally from uh, Southern Illinois, but more culturally, as you were saying, from St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. So um, I moved to Chicago in 07. So I've been here for quite some time and, and I've, it's been home and it remains home. And I kind of always knew that I would be here. But I grew up in O'Fallon, Illinois. So uh, come from downstate, as I would say. And that is an Illinois suburb of St. Louis. So they call it the Metro East, if you're not familiar. And so in that sense, growing up, like it was, yeah, always Illinois, but like St. Louis was culturally kind of uh, what the influence was and things along those lines. So I appreciate those roots very much. Parents are still there, all of that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, but, uh, but Chicago is definitely home. Do you come from a big family? I don't, actually. So I have uh, two parents who are still together, which is like, wow. Uh, right? <laughs> Congratulations. Like, look, yeah, yeah. life is hard, right? And yeah, so, absolutely. Um, and then I have uh, one older sister, uh, a couple years older than me. She lives in New York. Oh, wow. Um, and then myself. So a smaller family, I would say, in some regards. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. I mean, the, the typical family, I guess, yeah. nowadays, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, families are definitely getting smaller. But yeah. um, what drew you to Chicago? I mean, besides the proximity, I mean, your sister went to New York. But why sure. Chicago for you? So a few things, some of them family, some of them interest uh, in that way. So uh, my mom is a Hyde Park native. So she's from Hyde Park. Her family's still there. My grandmother still lives there. Um, A good chunk of my family on her side still lives there. So we would be here often. So even though I'm from St. Louis, it was very familiar to come here pretty regularly to see family, especially grandparents. Like both um, of my maternal grandparents lived here for some time. And so... In that sense, I always just had this connection to it and really, really loved it. Absolutely loved it here. Then additionally, my sister ended up going to undergrad here. So she went to Columbia College, studied music, et cetera. So I'd come mm. visit her like little brother-like yeah. and whatnot in that way. And then for me, uh, the things that I've always been interested in, working, passionate about, uh, the arts, I always knew that I'd probably end up here as a place to either pursue them or be a part of them, or both. So um, in some ways, it was like, yeah, no surprise that I ended up here, even if it wasn't a foregone conclusion for uh, the, you know all of my life. For sure. It's in your blood. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so when, when it, obviously, the, the, this passion for music, for, for entertainment, right, uh, was with the arts was within you. You're an entertainment attorney, and we'll get into that a little bit. But what, what drew you to that, or, or you know, in terms of within you, was that something that you saw? I just gravitated towards family, friends. You know, what, what sparked that creative interest in you? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because I didn't really realize it until you know, maybe a little bit older, like late high school or something along those lines. But I come from a very creatively focused family. Okay. And I'm really grateful for that. And I think one of the aspects of it where I didn't realize it is it wasn't like a big deal. It was just how things were. So it wasn't until I stood back and took stock of it and went, wow, what fertile ground for this. So for example, my father is a photographer. So he's Ah. retired now, but he 
for like most of my like young adult and certainly as a kid like all I know of him is he worked for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch growing up which is again if you're not familiar with St. Louis is like working for the Tribune or the right, Sun Times right, right. in St. Louis so he was a photographer um, in that regard so I mean that's that was his job um, my mom has always been uh, creative and always been creatively focused. So whether it was dancing, painting, singing, et cetera, we grew up in a pretty musical family. Interesting. And that just seemed like a thing. And then my sister, that's what she does professionally. She came to study music. She's a touring musician, <laughs> plays with all these different people. Like that is, like she's one of my clients. <laughs> she, you know, I manage her stuff um, in that regard. And so like, that's this, so cool. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just, you know, it was kind of a byproduct of the family that I've uh, come up in and especially the fact that that was so understood and encouraged uh, has just you know continuously made that fertile ground for those passions yeah and, and do you think on some level I mean entertainment attorney it almost seems like you're you're a protector right mm-hmm. in a sense for your clients yeah so was that that sense of that that here's all these people you really care about they're all these you know different type of artists different types of talents best thing I can do is is protect you know my people Man, yeah, absolutely <laughs> like you totally nailed it so I would find myself when I was in creative things, like for instance, I was in a band in high school with uh, some of my closest friends, and I would find myself with all these ideas about like things that we could do, but always in the back of my mind, there was this sense of, well, there's these things we can do, but there's a way that we're supposed to do them right, and I don't know what that is. Mm. Then as that would continue further, even when I was in undergrad, like studying music business, I would be on the creative side of things, and I'd be like with my sister and her friends, and they're doing all this incredible, amazing stuff, and they continue to now years later, and I'd just go, man, I'm watching all of this like magic happen. There must be a way that we can protect this or something along those lines. I have no idea. Maybe we can find somebody that can do it, and then that just really eventually became one of those things where I was like, why do we have to find somebody? It could be me. Like I'm the wow. one who has the passion to make sure these things are done right, and in the service of people's values so that it's still enjoyable, but also something that people see, et cetera. So yes, very. it is very much a place of advocacy and protection both of the arts and the people who are proponents of them. That's amazing. It, it, it almost seems like that came very naturally in a sense of, you know, it wasn't something you grew up and saying, I wanted to be, I want to be an attorney when I grow up. But it sounds like through the need and understanding of those needs, you thought, why not you? But it didn't come to later on in life then. That's very true. Like, I definitely got out of undergrad and I was like, done with school, not doing any more of it. Yeah, so I had yeah. no sense of wanting to go further in that sense. But just the nature of the work that I was doing creatively and the people I was around definitely drove that desire to want to be part of it. And that's really, you know, again... Connected to that sense of advocacy and empathy and whatnot, and so you're right. It is a, it is a kind of a natural um, growth from that uh, from that thing where I kind of fell into it in some ways. And you mentioned being in the uh, going to school for the business side of music. Mm-hmm. What, what what was the the goal or what was the you know intention behind that? Yeah. So um, for me, I feel like I got to come of age in the music side of things at a time when um, things were really shifting in a great way. It was a really unique time. So for me. Like that was late 90s, early 2000s, where we're starting to see the emergence of the internet. And then, like, as music is shifting in that direction. So, to be self made was this new thing, and there were no real clear pathways. So, I was constantly thinking of how to exploit this band I was in in high school. Like, how do we do these things? Which really gave me this. Oh, so you were in a band? I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. Yeah, I I totally was. And, like, it was this, you know, it was this high school thing, but we took it like real seriously. But for me, it was like uh, the early ground of going, 
huh, understanding how some of these things work, like what is a record label? How do they find you know talent? What are the politics of a lot of this? How does a lot of this stuff work? And like a lot of that information was slowly starting to be democratized because we're yeah. slowly starting to get the internet around that time. And so ah, true, being true. exposed to that in a close way was really, really great. And then also being around people who were doing it and like just getting to see the inner workings and be on the creative side of it was in, was incredible, like a really, really, really wonderful. And so that really drove me into that direction. So when you then graduated uh, or, you know, uh, passed the bar then at that point, what were what were your next moves in terms of your career? How did you how did you navigate towards that? Just just for me, I mean, it seems like if for you being a musician and going to school for this and under you know finding a need through that, I, I I couldn't even imagine being an artist and thinking about what my next move would be. You know, to get serious about my business as as a, a musician or an artist, right? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, I think one of the things that brought some some clear focus to it was. I always wanted to do creative things, but I always wanted to help people do creative things. And I knew I was going to bring those two things together somehow. So in undergrad, I was, and for a long time, even though I was doing music stuff kind of growing up, I, I really didn't move into music as a big focus of it until later on. Like I was doing gra- graphic design and illustration and all these things. Like people knew me growing up as a kid as like someone who was always drawing and whatnot. And so I had that as a heavy focus. And then I bridged the two by doing graphic design and whatnot for um, artists and musicians and things along those lines. And that like entrepreneurial spirit of doing that on my own was something that kind of caught fire early. So I always was going to be focused on, okay, how do I do this on my own? How do I find a way to do this in service of my values? Those kinds of things. And it helped like just continuously seeing, all right, I've got to figure out a way to move forward, a way to kind of balance what people need and um, really understand these kind of shifting pieces and bring them together in a way that's going to really like play to my skills and just kind of over time starting to be able to see that. I mean, there were some places where like, I'm not quite sure which way to go. And then sometimes it was really, really clear, like <laughs> moving forward, well, this is the, this is the way that I need to step with it. And it, 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 to me, it, it seems that, and I don't know the industry, obviously, but you know, I wouldn't imagine that most entertainment attorneys have that background of being an entertainer themselves, right? Or an artist. Yeah, so they don't usually. Um, there are certainly some. So I would say, like, to be an entertainment attorney is its own like niche thing. To as compared to many other attorneys, there are many people who are like, "That's so cool." I don't really get into it. <laughs> you know, I do. Or at least here, right? Because probably yeah. like, you go to Hollywood or something, and you, you yeah. know, see a lot of that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Like you go to like Hollywood or like Nashville or New York, you might sure. find yep. firms where like that's yeah. their whole focus. But it's not as much here. Oftentimes, you find. Um, a group within mm-hmm. a firm that does it or like one prominent person oh, who interesting. really does it. So the network of like entertainment attorneys, especially in Chicago, is robust, like, but it's also small as compared to the amount of work and people that need stuff, which is wonderful for me because it means I get to have really great relationships yeah. kind of across the board. <clears throat> so in that sense, um, that's, you know, there's not a lot of people that come from the entertainment world and then become attorneys. Uh, there are some, but it's just not the common path, largely because of what the path looks like to become an attorney doesn't usually intersect too much with 
creativity. So for, for sure. me, it's something that definitely sets things apart. And not only that, but also to be able to relate to your clients in the sense. I mean, one of the things you mentioned, one of your clients, you know, being young, 23 year old, not having, mm-hmm. you know, opportunities to connect with, with uh, the business environment or world. Right. Uh, but for yourself too, to be able to relate as an entrepreneur and, and that struggle, the struggle is real. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but especially as someone who's, who's, who's young and, and doesn't maybe have those connections. Like for you, yeah, you had some family here, but a lot of times you're, you're starting off kind of from scratch. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and especially if you're tapping it into an industry that you don't have connections and yeah. now you're just on your own. Right. So how do you, how are you able to relate that or translate that? And how does that impact the relationships you do have from that? Just, you know, forgetting the uh, entertainment aspect of things, but the entrepreneurial aspect of things and, and, and the wisdom that you, I guess you can share with your clients from that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, one of the things that I often talk to people about in in my work and just in general is being able to move in a way that is connected to your values. And one of the first things mm. you have to do is really kind of identify those values, <laughs> yeah, yeah. know where they are. And it, like life doesn't slow down enough to just give that to you. Like it's a deliberate thing that uh, you know just unfolds over time to be able to connect with and say what's important. And it makes a lot of decisions clearer, even if they're not simpler, when you're really clear with yourself on your values. And so I often say, like, that's one of the things that really helps drive an entrepreneurial experience and like that that aspect and bring that wisdom to it is if you know why you're moving in a certain direction or why you're drawn to things or why you're repelled by things, then it's not reactive. You can be much more strategic about it and you can also be much more authentic and genuine with yourself about it, even when it comes to those obstacles. So that's one of the big things that I often tell people. The other thing that I tell people is like, no one is self-made. Like it just doesn't happen that way in the sense that if you try to move as an island, you're only going to get so far. So you might be the person really pushing and leading the charge. And like (laughs) he's on the other side of the coin. It's like no one is self-made, but also no one's going to believe in you more than you yourself. So you got to like balance those two. Like the thing that you're passionate about, the thing that you're doing, like that is a fire that's going to burn in you brighter than anyone else. And just understanding that will really help. But also you need to use it as a way to help you build community and support and like whatever that means and whatever that's needed in order to actually carry those things forward because it's really hard to move in this world just completely alone (laughs) but you also can't expect people to love the things you love the same way that you do it's your passion etc and like that can be really paralyzing for especially creative or entrepreneurial people because they're just like (laughs) like no one gets it but if you're able to go well here's how you utilize that in a way that's going to help build something healthy and stable and lasting for yourself and the people around you can really help. Yeah, no, and, and also just from a, I guess we mentioned values, right, and community, but that's, that's a part of a, a, a culture, right? Mm-hmm. And, and when you think of music, and, and I'm sure that you represent you know, different types of musicians, but how do you relate to those cultures? That's, I mean, one, I think that's great to think about and ask about because I think that so much of it just kind of happens. It's always just kind of there. But for me, I often talk about it in like deliberate ways where I'm just like the things that you experience that you identify as part of your culture make you you. And they are sometimes the things that are hardest to experience, sometimes the things that are difficult because they might be the things that people push against or systems push against. But they're also some of the brightest light within you. And so I'm always like, let's make that explicit. Like what if you are black and proud? Like, let's push that. Let's talk about that. Like, even if it's just to me so I can Mm. see you in this moment, because to be to be seen is to move forward, et cetera. And so like bringing that intersectionality is like a huge part of 
everything that matters to me. And I also am just like, you know, like we're here to do work and it's all business and whatever, but there's people inside of those people. <laughs> so it's just it's a tenet that we always live by. Like there's people inside of those people. So what makes up those people? And how do we connect to that? How do we bring that forward? How do we celebrate that? You know, how do we talk about it in conscious ways? How do we just have fun with it too? You know, right. like all of those pieces, there's so much taffy there to stretch. Um, and I just am like, we, we got, we got to do it. We have to get in there and be part of it. And so I'm always like trying to acknowledge those things in that way. Um, both like really explicitly, but then also in a way to where it's not like the only thing that we're thinking about or moving about where it's exhausting to people. So yeah, that balance yeah. is like really, really key to me because I think especially for younger people and a lot of the folks that I interact with are younger or moving through the world in an up and coming way where I'm like, man, let's like, again, let's attach to the pieces of you that are important to you and really use that moving forward. Like one of the benefits I have is I feel like there were a fair amount of people who did that for me or emphasize that in me. So I just want to be able to do the same in a lot of ways. It seems like you're more of a, of a coach from that perspective, <laughs> right? Coaching your clients, which I, I mean, it's extremely important, but yeah. you know, I'm also hearing, and, and I guess this is a belief, but music has, and I'm, I'm speaking specifically to music, right? But that it plays such an important role in developing that culture, right? Because you get this, this, this cross of people who adopt uh, a specific type of genre or whatever because they gravitate towards it but it can really transcend into impacting who they are as a person yeah. right that cultural identity so I, I almost sense that that's kind of what you're doing in a sense is from a responsible standpoint that with your clients you're, you're being cognizant of that that hey what are these values let's put that out there right how, how, how does how do you see that in terms of the vision as you're you know you wake up in the you know morning and what you're doing I mean does that is that first and foremost on your mind, or is that something that just kind of comes as a natural consequence of the everyday uh, hustle, if you will? Yeah, it, it is definitely first and foremost in my mind because, you know, I talk a lot about values and one that is really uh, central to who I am is just people are here to be seen. Like we as humans want to be seen. We want to feel significant. We want to feel like our time here matters. It's just like a human thing. And that is really subjective to each person what it means to be seen, what it means to feel like you matter, what it feel, what it means to feel connected to yourself is different for everyone. And so to be able to be intentional and deliberate about that is particularly key. And so to me, I always, I wake up going, if today is a day where the people who came through my path feel seen, like that's wonderful. Like quite honestly, when people say like, what is most important to you in life? I say the mo the thing that's most important to me, like what I want more than anything is for people to be glad they came across my path, whatever that means. Love that. Whatever that means is I want them to be like, I'm so glad I came across his path because he gave me a dollar and that's all I needed or because he gave me this great wisdom or because he helped me leak, like whatever it means. And I think you, the only way you get to that is by trying to see people um, and trying to continuously do so, that it doesn't just happen. And so, yeah, I do wake up each morning just going like, how do we connect people to that? How do we bring people to the culture that matters to them? How do we amplify it? How do we build it? How do we help people pick people up when they're falling down? You know, how do we keep boundaries? Like it's just all around things to help people be seen in the ways that's most important to them. I love that, and obviously it speaks to to my first comment about you. And <laughs> but but you also taken that not that it's not enough to be an entertainment attorney, but now you, you're you know I guess that philosophy mm -hmm. you've turned into a business, right? Yeah. With your business partner with Angela Cox. Absolutely. So Angela Cox and I, uh, we have created three kindnesses, and so it really is. 
an expression of our values. The three kindnesses are safety, empathy, and diversity. Um, and those are meant to be broad because, again, they are trying to encompass just this wide sect of people. All of us are moving as these different pieces in life. And we have, um, you, you know, we're like as all, all as unique snowflakes, mm-hmm. all moving in a storm. And snow can be beautiful or it can be a blizzard. And so we just want to be able to make people feel as unique as they are and have it be part of that beautiful aspect. That's what a really it means to blanket beautiful things. picture. I mean. <laughs> Thanks. It <laughs> is. Like, yeah, wow, that's pretty cool. Very <laughs> profound. Yeah, thank you. Like that's that's our aim. So we help people. You know, indiv- whether it's individual coaching, whether it's executive coaching, whether it's going into businesses, like a lot of different ways in which we really amplify the three kindnesses because the world, like, one of the things we often say is like it's hard being human, right? Like yeah. it's just it doesn't matter who you are where you come from, the hardest thing you're going to do is be human. And it's even harder being human around other humans. And so <laughs> like, it's just somehow <laughs> distinctly more difficult. So the whole thing is to be able to um, pad some of that existence, whether it's at the workplace, whether it's at home, like whatever the case may be, we just want to be able to soften some of that existence so that we can turn that light outward rather than having it you know, fall in on people. How did that business come to, to exist? <laughs> well, I mean, it's very different, right? I mean, you're talking is. about these, these two worlds that don't normally uh, coexist. Yeah, you know? so just from a professional standpoint, so I ha- you know, I've always been, uh, well, not always, but uh, I've been on this uh, creative track and I've been an entertainment attorney, but I also have this side where I spent a fair amount of time in corporate America mm. working in a different uh, capacity. So like while I was always building my own thing, I was also for a time, um, you know, working in human resources, particularly in leadership development and executive mm. coaching, um, things in those places. And that's one of the places where her world and mine intersect. We were at the same organization for a little bit of time. And just as you talk about, this is really distinct and unique. Well, we went, a person who sees it the way that I see it, well, we just need to not let this wow. be a moment here. So for a while there, while we were there, we were developing these ideas and just having these same kind of conversations and like speaking each other's language and be like, this is more than just a conversation. This is a way that we can do things. So we're working on books, you know, to be able to um, help with a lot of different things. So we're almost done with the, the book that we've been working oh, on. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Like, um, we have some great, wonderful things that we're doing around, you know, programs and whatnot that we build to go into um, organizations or especially um, I do a lot of like embedded lifestyle stuff. So if someone's like an executive and they go, all right, well, I need to be able to do like just shift my life over the next six months. Excellent. Like we set up a coaching program and kind of work through some of those things because we have all of this space and all of this experience and all of this wisdom and all of these things that we bring to the table. And so if people are willing to invest and really and willing to invest their time, really willing to invest themselves in it, then it's something that can really like shift the world in a significant way. And we saw that in each other. We went, oh, yeah, oh my goodness, <laughs> to be seen in this way. Well, let's not just keep this to ourselves. Yeah, no. And, and so it sounds like a corporate leadership more than anything mm-hmm. else, right? So so you have these two worlds that you're, mm-hmm. you're managing, but how, I mean... It's, it just I, for me, it seems like a, a little overwhelming, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but knowing you, I'm sure you're handling it with, with complete grace. But but for those that that kind of and you're starting to see this a lot more often, mm-hmm. right? What advice would you give to those people who have that ambition to, you know, to do two different things, right? Maybe they're in real estate and, and mm-hmm. have a passion for art or something else. You know, how, what advice would you give to manage those two worlds of really a personal brand, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, So much of it, again, comes back to values. And I know, for example, for me, values that are important that show up here are safety, excuse me, for for folks to feel safe, you know, and for them 
to be able to feel authentic. And then also autonomy, like, is a really important one to me. And part of that is because it's really tied to my value of family. I want to be able to, I'm a single father of two small kids. And so I want to be able to be present in the ways that I want to. And I want to be the kind of person that I want to them. It's really, really important to me. And so in that sense, I know that the only way that I can do that is by building something that is my own. So that is not everyone's story, but that is a clear way of how I interact with the values that helps me build stuff. So asking those questions of oneself helps you know what you can balance if you're going, well, I want to be able to do stuff on my own, and I want to be able to do this creative aspect of myself, and I also want to be able to be my own boss, and I also want to be able to talk about this thing that's important to me that might give you a lot of clarity around how you build things, how you balance them. You might say, man, I'm really into this thing, and I really maybe I should make a business out of it. And mm-hmm. then as you continue to understand, you go, no, actually, maybe that's a more serious hobby. Or maybe, yeah, that is the business. Like, it just that clarity around those things helps. And I think the thing that really helps me most is um, time management is, is huge. Like, being able to manage your time, feeling like you don't have to be part of everything, um, but you want to be a part of the things that matter, feeling like you have intentional relationships um, so that they add to what it is that you're doing. And then you also make sure you have, you take, you know, you know what things will fill you. So you make concerted time for those things. Like a lot of people just, life just comes at us fast and it's really hard to manage those things. But being able to do it in a deliberate way can really free you up to do a lot more than just maybe the one thing that you're doing if you want to be able to do more. That's great advice. And if people are out there watching or listening, and let's say I'm an artist. You know, mm-hmm. What type of uh, artist are you working with uh, that should consider contacting you? Totally. So um, the, the people I work with the most are musicians. So people who are doing mm-hmm. music and they're putting out music. So the reason I say the most is because that's not it. Like anybody who's doing any kind of entertainment work, absolutely. So if you're writing a book, um, you know, then absolutely. You know, or someone who owns a clothing line, certainly, or someone who is an entertainment brand, someone who is you know, fielding offers for being in a TV show or a movie or something along. Like, all of those are my people. Absolutely. Awesome. But when it comes to music, I always say um, anybody who is creating something and they're starting to get a little bit of traction around something, maybe, you know, so they um, have created something, they've put it out, and they have some sort of social media following, following, then absolutely. Or anyone in any regard, when someone comes to you with some sort of offer, do not sign it <laughs> without talking to someone at least like me, but me. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, so that's sure. that's one of the big things that I always tell people is like, if you have an opportunity coming toward you, please, by all means, like talk to me, you know, or something along those lines. Or if you're working with other people, a lot of times people don't understand the ways in which that is wonderful, but collaboration, which is then turned into mm, a commercial thing, right, right. becomes sticky real fast. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so just, I always tell people, I'm like, I am, I'm headache medicine. I just want people to be able to focus on the thing they're excited about and remain excited about it without all the headaches that can come of not doing that right. For and sure. so that's, that's my aim. And what about from uh, the Three Kindnesses corporate leadership standpoint? What, yeah. Who, who should be? Reaching out. Anybody who has influence over other people is really where it comes down to. So the the higher you are and the more influence you have on people, the farther it's going to reach. So if you are a leader or an executive of a team or a department, then you're going to see that being able to talk about, implement three kindnesses across your team, across your organization, it's going to make a real big impact. And especially if you are willing to do it not as a one-off. I mean, sure, I'll come and talk to you. Absolutely. But if you're willing to, you know, really start to to look at things, some things programmatically and start to shift the ship 
of your culture in a, a different direction, absolutely. So anyone who has their hand on that rudder is really, really great. So if you are a team, you know, the leader of a team, a single team, fantastic. But especially if you are um, a corporate leader of, you know, executive placement or something along those lines, then absolutely, like, I'll be able to really make a significant impact in your life and your organization um, in a way that's going to be fun and enjoyable and really challenge us in a way that makes us all better. Well, I can speak to that. You've already made my <laughs> life more enjoyable, so I appreciate that. Thank but you. If you're out there listening uh, or watching and feel like, you know, that's you, I highly encourage you to reach out to Odell. You can do so by filling out the form below. He'll get that directly in his inbox. But Odell, just as always, just, just a pleasure you know, to be around <laughs> you. And thank you for, for coming in and sharing your story and, you know, and for helping everyone that you do. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute honor. It's wonderful. I love everything that's being done here for Chicago, for people. It's just really been wonderful to be here. So thank you so very much. Oh, thank you, Odell. Till next time. Till next time. <laughs>